In the depths of a crypto ice age, we'll call it an ice age, not a winter, it's easy to lose sight of the promise of blockchain technology and of the crypto space as a whole. People start to talk about it being over and that it's going to zero and that it can never come back. But there are people who have been here since the very beginning. We're talking about the Satoshi days and who have been through all of the bear markets and winters and ice ages and have seen crypto come out on top and who are actively investing and continuing to build the future of this space. Two of those people are from the block, Jeff Garzik and Matthew Rozak, absolute legends in the crypto space. I've had them both on here a number of times before, but can't wait to finally have them in the same virtual room. You guys don't want to miss this one. Let's go. That's dope. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button. Now, it'd be hard to find an OG more OG than today's guest, Jeff Garzik, and of course, his partner who, if he didn't know Jeff, probably would have been considered one of the oldest OGs of all time because he came at the late, late date, I believe, of 2012 to the crypto space. But both of them as I said, have been actively building in this space for almost as long as there has been active building in this space and continue to do so. They have some very exciting developments, things that they're continuing to work on that are largely getting lost because everybody is concerned with bear markets and price and macro and the Fed, all things that anyone who bothers to zoom out will understand is completely irrelevant. I'm going to go ahead and bring both of them on Right now, I've got Jeff Garzik and Matthew Rozak. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, Scott. Hey, Scott. Good to see you again, man. Good to see you both as well. So first of all, the most important question I can possibly ask anyone today is, have you ever heard of Bits Lotto before? That was the first time for me. Right. For anyone who missed it, the DOJ made a huge announcement yesterday that they had an internationally coordinated prosecution of something in the crypto space. And people started to believe that Binance was going to go down or that we were going to get new laws. And it was bits lotto. Right. As we watched uh, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, 3AC, Luna go down, they uh, caught the sinister criminal enterprise of bits lotto. But doesn't that show you kind of how nonsensical still the outside view of this space and the way that we're being approached by regulators and legislators is it's lotto. Yeah, it's uh, it was surprising and kind of underwhelming, uh, especially how you put it, you know, all the uh, calamity we've seen this year. I, I think, you know, the pacing of that, it takes longer for them to catch up to the pace of crypto, pace of technology and all that stuff. So I'm sure we'll see uh, more known uh, folks, um, getting called out uh but yeah that was super underwhelming uh i was expecting something a little bit more uh saucy there for sure jeff yeah my my twitter was full of uh jokes i admit uh like uh you know jared leto's brother bits was just arrested and stuff like that because nobody had ever heard of this exchange so uh that, that was the tenor of the commentary I think, uh, you know, in the broader uh, macro, we're, we're all uh, kind of, you know, sitting back and building while, you know, have metaphorically having a TV in the background with the SBF FTX show and uh, all its, uh, you know, fallout and accoutrements uh, playing in the background. That, that's kind of metaphorically how uh, my workday goes is you got to tune, you got to tune a little bit of an ear to the crazy but uh, you got to focus on building at the end of the day. So let's talk about focusing on building. Obviously, you guys founded the block together, uh, have been working together for quite a long time. Has anything in this bear market or crypto ice age, as I referred to it earlier, has any of that impacted the vision or anything that's actually being built? Or is it largely just noise because prices are down? Yeah, I think it's uh, largely noise. Prices are down, but it's also, you know, Darwin has entered the room, right? A uh, lot of cleansing of uh, the leverage and, you know, some of the, I would say, uh, uh, shenanigans in the, in the space. I think the entire lending market in this space is getting reset. That's good. Uh, it's, it's, it's also pressure testing liquidity. And on top of that, pressure testing the psychology of people's uh, intestinal fortitude on crypto and you know uh this is like 
every, you know, we know this every three or four years, uh, this industry tests you, right? It's like, uh, you know, 10 steps forward and then eight steps back. Most people do not want to be on that roller coaster. Uh, but if you hold on uh, for the medium to long term, because that's the secret in crypto, it's like just be, it, you know, have it be a long term play and all those ups and downs will kind of uh, average themselves out because they're big ups and and certainly big downs. And so I think we're in this interesting moment where um, the the initial time I kind of felt uh, an industry wide um, kind of punch like this was with Mt. Gox. That was pretty, you know, unsettling and rattled uh, everything top down, left right. It was it's what instigated uh, Lossky to do uh, the New York uh, uh, bit license and all that kind of stuff came out the other end of uh, of Gox. And then uh, seeing this with FTX. Um, uh, you know, super underwhelming. It was just fraud. It was terrible. It was, you know, um, uh, at the same time, the calamity it, it it gave this industry, the black eye gave this industry, is going to take us uh, a while to kind of get that back because we had institutions, uh, governments, um, you know, big enterprise, a lot of a lot of folks leaning into this uh, in a in a good way. And now I think there's, uh, you know, uh, people are double checking their. Uh, their thesis. Uh, and then uh, I think it's, you know, uh, that classic, you know, 10 steps forward, eight steps back in crypto. And that's kind of the moment we're at today. Uh, for the hardcore, uh, you know, crypto OGs, uh, we definitely think about uh, the not your keys, not your crypto kind of uh, uh, mantra. We think about uh, there's a, been a lot of uh, centralized exchange failures and uh, one of the themes is decentralization has actually uh, come out uh, of this looking a little bit better, I think, than uh, centralized exchanges. And uh, so in some ways, uh, we're quietly whispering in the block halls that it's a DeFi renaissance because uh, DeFi and its thesis really proved out this was the anti-FTX. And uh, even in the summer of 2020, we saw some of the uh, some of the SBF Alameda shenanigans in DeFi. So we kind of saw SBF's true colors 18 months to two years uh, before everyone else and and knew to shy away and knew to, you know, focus on decentralization and uh, focus on building. And uh, I think that 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 was the right call in uh, summer of 2020. And it's uh, still the right call today, I think. And it, and it kind DeFi of is the takeaway. The, yeah, the takeaway there was yeah, uh, DeFi worked according to plan. Everything that was engineered well uh, worked well, and then the stuff that was you know offline in documents and uh, you know people's <laughs> desk drawers, uh, you know they're like we should probably see what the collateral is for this loan. And I think everybody uh, played catch up this year. Um, but you know, going back to block in t terms of how that. Uh, you know, tests our thesis and it, it amplifies our thesis in many ways because, you know, as Jeff just said, you know, it uh, hardens the thesis of DeFi, of non-custodial, of, of this whole um, uh, element uh, in, in crypto that's super important. And that kind of got lost in a way, uh, to be honest, with a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, ways in which uh, builders in this space and, and uh, some do this uh, better than others are, are trying to engage other other folks and, and be more salesy and and some of the deficiencies in the tech when it's centralized or or whatever uh, that's a bad combo so if you have uh, DeFi gadgetry and uh, better wallets and better onboarding I think that kind of uh, you know uh, deflects a little bit of the risk of what we've seen historically but again, the form factors in crypto are still not as intuitive as we want them. So we still have a lot of work to do. And that's where uh, I think we're, we're uh, leaning towards a lot of that stuff at Block. So does that mean we effectively have a massive UX UI problem? Go back to grandma who can't use it. And that's our biggest stumbling block at this point. I mean, to, to everything that you guys said, every time we've removed humans from the equation, it seems to work really well, right? <laughs> And every time we put them back in, we get FTX and Celsius and Voyager and BlockFi and the same sort of repeated mistakes of other markets past, right? I think it's time that we need to get past the crypto market and start talking about the technology, which is what you guys are saying. But what can we build so that people actually use this stuff? 
I mean, I'm sure you guys are doing quite a bit of it. Talk about some of the things you're excited about that are being built that might actually move us in that direction. I, I think we've got a, a handful of elements that uh, we've been building and building towards, uh, one of which is uh, kind of a, uh, a baseline uh, element of staking in nodes. But as uh, these networks uh, push to be more decentralized and uh, trying to create incentives for their networks, et cetera, these, the, these nodes are very important. Um, centers of gravity for all these networks and then uh, the, the staking elements uh, are another way to uh, find yield and, and I think a lot of institutions if you think of the baby step of institutions engaging in crypto again um, it's probably melting some cash into crypto and staking it uh, they're validating they're participating they're getting a yield and uh, that's kind of like a great baby step for institutions to kind of see the, these mechanics work um, and participate. I think from there, uh, you, you get more sophisticated with DeFi, but I think that uh, timeline has been kind of pushed out. So, so I think adoption of, of staking and, and these node networks uh, is gonna be, uh, is gonna continue to be uh, a, a big thing. Uh, at Block, we have uh, uh, Block Cloud, which does staking nodes and data, and we've partnered with lots of, uh, uh, of institutional uh, players in that space. We'll be making some announcements, I think, in the next month or two, hopefully the next uh, uh, month on that, uh, uh, on that uh, particular platform that we've built and the partners that we've uh, surrounded ourselves with. So we're really excited about institutional staking. And it's, on one hand, kind of simple. On the other hand, it's, it's a trapeze act to get you know, uh, any Fortune 100 company to do that. But that's uh, a huge opportunity uh, uh, in this space. Uh, it continues to be. Um, and, and then the other piece I'll, I'll mention, which is, is kind of like an interesting um, <clears throat> uh, way in which things are, are built and found at Block, where, where Jeff, uh, about this time last year, had a tweet about a, uh, a container you could build for crypto and you could put NFTs or tokens, et cetera. And in that container, I could send it to you, Scott, and um, instead of sending you singular transactions, I could send you all in one batch and pack it into one capsule. And so our team built uh, this module called Capsule off of Jeff's original tweet and, and GitHub link. Uh, and that's, that's how kind of some of the innovation within Block happens. You know, we're constantly iterating on what's around the corner. And then somebody gets inspired by uh, a piece of tech that Jeff built and kind of extends it, commercializes it, et cetera. So with Capsule, uh, this primitive that we built, uh, you could shuttle multiple assets uh, and then so think about this. The, the, the thing that we're, we're uh, uh, working on there is rerouting and getting finality on, on transactions. So if I send it to you, Scott, um, but I sent it to your wrong address, I can now reroute it to your right address. Oh, wow. Or I can say, I'm going to send it to you, but uh, you can't open it for three months. And so you have this whole open design space on composable assets. So what I stuff in here and then composable transactions, how it gets to you. So the composability at both ends is uh, uh, something that uh, could help with the safety security of transactions. Obviously there's uh, safety security concerns in, on one direction, but on the other side, you kind of have more control when you're parting with crypto. Because everybody I think has that moment where, uh, you know, right before you hit send, you kind of have that moment of truth. And this will help Still. kind of, you know, uh, manage that a little better. Yeah, yeah, to this day. I love, didn't you guys call it Tupperware for crypto? I remember seeing exactly. that. To, 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 yeah, it's, it's kind of like a shipping container for crypto or something like that. You can put whatever you want inside. You can seal it and lock it shut. You can reroute it to different destinations. And uh, eventually you can crack it open and there's your ERC-20s, your NFTs, uh, your other digital assets. That's extremely cool. Uh, Matthew, you talk about institutional adoption, it feels to me like yield has become a four letter word in crypto, right? And that everybody's staying away from anything called yield, even to some degree, Ethereum staking, because they're probably conflating it with what happened in CFI. And of course, yeah, I mean, you have, you know, short term bonds yielding over 4%. So I guess right. the hunt for yield just isn't that difficult right now. But are you still seeing interest, actual interest right now? Or is it theoretical, either of you can answer in institutions coming in, and actually hunting for yield, parking their money here and just waiting. 
I think it, yeah, a couple of things. One, it depends on your definition of institutions. I think crypto institutions, people that have, you know, MetaMask are, are in the game, uh, are absolutely looking and uh, optimizing for yield because uh, a lot of liquidity is gone. So the incent a lot of the incentives and yields in particular networks are better. Um, so, so the crypto institutions, absolutely. There's a lot of funds that are being um, raised now. You know, we're at a market bottom. So they want to do these uh, DeFi funds to really uh, amplify uh, exposure into this. And so yield has been a four letter word, uh, word but in, in uh, DeFi, it's actually been very, you know, in, in a particular way, sustainable uh, because you're getting yield off uh, lending markets, um, uh, but it's getting pressure tested. The, the this is the first time we have a macro, uh, you know, dynamic where it might be better uh, to, you know, buy treasuries because it's, you know, risk-free. Uh, and, uh, so, so, uh, historically, a lot of the incentives, a lot of the bootstrapping of these networks was meant to incentivize pe people to just try and, and kind of get into it. Now, uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to my Darwin has entered the room. Uh, there's a clearing now of liquidity, TVL and, 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 uh, and yield. And I think, uh, we've gone through a lot of that over the last couple of months post FTX, um, but now it's a lot clearer to see where to obtain some, some yield and there's new staking, um, projects coming out. So I think it's evolved in uh, a good way, a healthy way, especially through this uh, last, you know, uh, 60 days of turmoil. Yeah. There's definitely been a separating uh, from the wheat and the chaff, uh, the signal from the noise, <clears throat> kind of a little bit of a clearing out like the DeFi summer, of uh you know two uh two and a half years ago there was uh a lot of noise and now the some of the survivors that are left uh i hope uh are bubbling up in terms of uh quality and uh specifically uh you know that's uh two uh open source projects that block has been uh, uh spearheading uh vesper vesper.finance and uh metronome metronome.io and two of those uh, play into that space uh, very, very pointedly and uh, very intentionally. Uh, you know, having lived through uh, what four market cycles now in uh, twelve years of uh, crypto, it's uh, it's again. You know, I I, I come back to Matt's uh, kind of Darwin at work. Is uh, we go through these cycles rapidly. Uh, but again, the quality gets separated out at a market bottom. And uh, the people that are left swimming in the pool after a lot of the, the water goes out are, uh, are the lifers like us who are, who are dedicated to the space and uh, who see that. Uh, and I know people are, are maybe uh, tired of hearing this, but I still believe it. We're still early. We are absolutely still early. We're still talking about, you know, BNY Mellon or JP Morgan experimenting with Ethereum staking. I'm just making up those names. Um, you know, it's it, they're just now putting a toe in the water and they're not even at the point of uh, using DeFi, which is the next logical step. So uh, they're just now getting, uh, you know, they were uh, comfortable uh, regulatory wise, institution wise with Bitcoin. That's now expanded to Ethereum. That's now expanding to some of the uh, staking gadgets, proof of staking uh, etc. Institutions just move far, far more slowly than, uh, you know, crypto degens, retail, uh, just about every other player. And I think uh, the FTX SBF situation pumped the brakes a little bit on that. Not a lot. Uh, we're still seeing engagement from institutions, but uh, I think there's a new level of uh, due diligence in the room of, is this project real? Is it audited? by uh, you know multiple auditors is it uh, beaten up uh, left right and center uh, or is it kind of a, a you know cex cfi uh, you know bleep show you can say shit show here by the way yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, you guys are talking to a point that i've actually been sort of exploring and discussing here is i think that we cheered for the idea of institutional adoption and we've largely now gotten that from the biggest institutions. When you're talking about JP Morgan and BlackRock and Fidelity, it really doesn't get much bigger. The problem is, I think that what we were cheering for ended up being institutions showing up and treating it like every other asset class that they're used to. And that we need, I just want to change the term, we need 
institutional participation, right? We need what Matthew's describing, mm -hmm. which is where they get here, they show up, they actually use the technology, they participate. It makes them long-term stake, having a long-term stake, no pun intended, in the industry rather than it's just something that they can short when they see an opportunity or something they can sell when they need liquidity. How do we, first of all, is that an accurate assessment? But second, how do we jump that chasm if it is? Because I think we got what we wished for and should have been a bit careful with these institutions. I mean, institutions are complicated because, you know, uh, blockchain, Web3 use cases, it's uh, very difficult for them to adopt uh, in any uh, material way because, you know, they have quarterly reports, they're regulated, they're public, and they're more, they, they have antibodies on risk and they're just super risk averse. And, uh, and quite frankly, a lot of the technology that is on the table has been, you know, uh, in the field for months and years, uh, not decades, you know, like they like to see uh, most of the time. And so um, I, I think the adoption curves are weird. I think uh, on their balance sheets, they've been, uh, you know, having BlackRock and Fidelity and everybody start to adopt the assets is cool. Uh, adopting the technology, I think, is going to take uh, a lot longer given volatility, given hacks, given all the maturity of the networks. Uh, but once that happens, I mean, this, you know, will melt the face of finance. Let's be honest. It's it's turning every bank and credit card company into software and uh, it'll all, you know, be on, on you know, our, uh, our supercomputer in our, in our pocket. So uh, so they need to pay attention. They can't elect, you know, this is like uh, uh, media companies in the late 90s when the Internet was coming and saying, oh, it's, you know, we got journalists and, and you know, uh, printing presses and all this stuff. We got a network. And uh, uh, I think banks uh, certainly see the same uh, dynamic. And so, you know, they're not going to go without a fight and they're going to have some regulatory uh, arbitrage to, to play through. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when they participate uh, in any meaningful way, there'll be more regulatory clarity. And, and I think that's where uh, I think a good it's a good excuse uh, for institutions as well right now, instead of like being super innovative and engaging uh, they're saying hey it's too much risk i'm going to wait for more clarity and there's a little bit of that going on right now that's uh the most amplified version of that uh, in a while though so to call out uh fidelity for being really amazing forward thinking uh experimentative uh in uh crypto uh several years ago the ceo abby johnson had a bitcoin miner on her desk uh, they've been, uh, you know, uh, I think for a big institution, a big bank, uh, they're a, really an example to emulate. They uh, put a toe in the waters the right way. They experimented internally. Um, one of the projects in uh, Block's history, we built uh, Fidelity's first uh, digital asset wallet for Bitcoin. Uh, so we got a little bit of an inside view several years ago. And uh, they, they first stepped in on the charity side, then they spun up a product, then they spun up another product and uh, really took a risk adjusted staged approach. Uh, but at the same time, they were the first ones in the room, you know, taking that, uh, taking that first, second, third step and uh, really made a commitment to uh, kind of the decentralized digital asset future. Uh, so that's that I think is the example in the room to emulate institution wise is uh, they're a major institution. They're regulated, they're public. And at the same time, they're uh, within a sandbox, innovating and taking some risks and looking at, uh, you know, what we obviously think is the future of finance. So true. I mean, they're the ones who are participating, right? They're mining on a grand scale and basically participating in every single facet of the industry. So they might not get left behind, like Matthew talks but, but it's about. An important, it, but it's an important look, Scott. Uh, I think what, what Jeff mentioned about Abby, it's like when I think about uh, our engagement with you know large you know for, Fortune 500 institutional clients, it's if the CEO doesn't speak crypto, uh, then the organization has no idea what to do. It it, it has to be a top level down today because because the way the hierarchies and the energies and the risk management is at these uh, larger companies. So it's got to be top down. If it's just like innovation group or whatever, uh, it, it, they are very limited in that. And so the, the best uh, gauge of institutional adoption is is can the CEO speak crypto? And it's, it's hard because it's, it's a complicated tech. 
it just maybe I had to laugh because we know that there's JP Morgan coin and they're copywriting or you know, trademarking wallets and they're literally allowing their customers. But Jamie Dimon is the hugest hater in the world. Could you find a more ant- antithetical position from the CEO to the company's actions than JP Morgan right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, go back memory banks to Peter Thiel's um, geriatric comments about certain, you know, folks like Warren Buffett and others uh, looking at the technology a certain way, certain, you know, background and history and how they think about stuff. But, you know, Jamie Dimon says one thing, it seems like the bank does another, uh, which, you know, something that's interesting to see. Um, So, yeah, um, I think uh, actions are probably more than words and, and they got plenty of action there. Speaking of Peter Thiel, did you guys see that it came out literally today or yesterday that they had wound down their entire eight-year Bitcoin investment in his founders fund for a profit of $1.8 billion earlier this year. I mean, he's the world's greatest trader if he sold at the top and bought at uh, the bottom, you know, that that you want to buy low and sell high. And apparently that's exactly what he did. Now we just want to see the news about them buying again over the last, <laughs> uh, over the, over the last month. So, did, did he do that out of his 401k again? Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was Facebook in his 401k yeah. that he invested in, right? Like billions of dollars in a 401k that's supposed to be five or $6,000 a year. The guy's got uh, some skills. So, uh, nobody can debate that. So we talk about these huge institutions coming. And Matthew, you say, obviously, that the banks are on notice and they're going to get crushed by this technology. So what then does this look like for the average person in five years or 10 years, let's maybe it's even 20. When we're at full maturity of the potential of everything you guys are building, what's the vision on a day-to-day basis for your average person who no longer has to go to their bank and can just use these things, it can earn a yield and pay their bills. How does that work? I think, um, uh, you know, back to your point about UI UX is uh, I think uh, crypto powers a lot of what you just said under the hood invisibly is uh, I've often said when crypto succeeds, you don't know that you're using crypto. You just, you know, you're using freedom. You're you're using uh, uh, technology that's self-sovereign and you can elect to be banked or not banked or use, you know, legacy institutions, not legacy institutions. Uh, but increasingly, you'll just engage with a product that's decentralized, audited, trustworthy, and you won't even blink an eye because uh, it's all, uh, to, to use a word from my uh, former Linux lifetime, it's all plumbing. And uh, really what we are are plumbers. And at uh, if we've succeeded, blockchain is invisible. If we've succeeded, crypto is invisible and you just have self-sovereign freedom. And so I think that's the, the ultimate iteration of this is uh, not, not to get too far into the future, but Wall Street eventually runs a lot on blockchain rails. I know we've been saying that for 10 years and especially with like centralized blockchain and all that stuff. But I think they're the the legacy world's coming around to public, open, permissionless networks like Bitcoin, like Ethereum. And as, uh, you know, a neutral referee, as a level playing field, as something that, uh, you know, that if you're a player and there's another player, you uh, you're both playing by the same rules. And that is a very powerful, fundamental factor of the plumbing. But again, it's just plumbing. And so I think for retail users, there'll be, uh, you know, literally billions of retail users using crypto. It'll be uh, stablecoin instruments. It'll be uh, some volatiles like uh, ETH and BTC. Uh, but a lot of it, again, uh, will be hidden behind really advanced wallets that uh, uh, possibly AI powered that you uh, say, well, I'd like to invest in these areas and I'd like to protect against these risks. And the automation just kind of carries uh, carries the day with uh, your instructions in mind. So that's that's a five to 10 year uh, look, I'd say. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think a lot of it is wallet based. The wallet's a really important uh, browser to all this stuff, uh, especially the identity piece, which has been an elusive component of Web3. Uh, everybody talks about it. We need it. It's been a kind of a clumsy uh, approach to how we ultimately do it. But that's going to get, I, I think, going to get solved with uh, 
with Web Web three tech, and then and then our wallet uh, with assets and everything else. And I and I kind of go back to that one little uh, uh, soliloquy I had on uh, the four pillars of crypto: you know, tokenization, financialization, which is uh, DeFi, orchestration, which is uh, DAOs and kind of communities, and then the last piece, which Quite frankly, with you know OpenAI and a lot of these other things, uh, this this automation piece, uh, and then when when Jeff was mentioning like it kind of works for you, like uh, uh, having AI with um, crypto is very uh, explosive and in a, in a, a, a massive advancement uh, kind of way um, because the, you have these orchestration engines like the AI will give you smarts to say like well you should probably sell this token and 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 just automatic and and buy this token or uh you know we'll have certain permutations or certain logic in there and we'll work on that logic in that particular box and so i think these orchestration engines that um could be used off the shelf from somebody's community or it could be your own and you start to uh develop the way you want to see the internet fast forward that it's like well, what internet are you connecting to? And maybe it's like your own personal node. And in your node, you have your wallet, you have your money layer, your identity layer, uh, you have your own uh, Siri. So you ask it questions, it informs you, it teaches it's, you know, it's it's your own personal version of that. So it doesn't get externalized. If it does and it wants ads, you get paid for those ads. Um, and so that, that uh, I view this like, uh, wallet as a soft layer and then this kind of network layer as this node of of, of one of, of of you know for yourself on how you engage in uh, kind of the new internet so that is probably more of a 10 20 year but the wallet piece is uh, less than 10. as a creator i write a newsletter every single day i've seen a lot of technology come and go in the last 46 years of my life chat gpt for me was arguably the most mind-blowing experience that I've had. I don't know if that's just because it's so consumer facing and we can actually touch it. Maybe behind the scenes, AI has been doing much more mind blowing things, but I feel like we just leaped decades ahead with AI, with the release of chat GPT, even for me, just acting as my editor or my first draft or things. It's, it's just incredible, incredibly powerful. Absolutely. I've been uh, playing a lot with it uh, as well. It uh, It's fantastic for generating a lot of content. I do uh, trip up uh, on its feature of I have to predict the next word, which is fundamentally how it works, even if I start making up stuff. And so uh, sometimes so you're it's trolling like, you know, it. yeah, fact, you fact, fact. Oh, now it's running off into fiction land and you got to got to rein it back in. And so uh I'm not not ready to trust it with my assets just yet, but uh, that and Stable Diffusion, the uh, AI art, uh, was absolutely mind blowing. You you just type a couple words in and it creates for you, and it's that's just upending every end of uh, the creative world, including the the crypto uh, NFT world. So it's uh, it's world, you know, no no exaggeration. Both of those are world changing. And ultimately, that is going to feed back into, you know, kind of the robo advisor asset management uh, kind of uh, mindscape where it's going to say, you know, I advise that you, uh, you know, trade out of BTC because it looks like it's a top and Peter Thiel agrees. So, you know, yes, no. Should you follow Peter Thiel's trade? Uh, you know, that that kind of thing. You'll have a conversation with your robo asset manager, much like you have a conversation with uh, your chat GPT instance, but it'll it'll stay grounded. It won't you know start making up fiction and it'll have asset uh, access to your assets. And so once it gets your approval, everything else is just going to happen on that orchestration and and automation side of things. So uh, it's a it's an exciting future, but we, you know, I, I'm metaphorically buckling up because uh, we're all about to go, uh, you know, 200 miles an hour. But are we going like full Skynet here? Because the, <laughs> what, you, what you just uh, what, what you just what you just described is extremely exciting until the day when it doesn't ask for your permission. Oh, so true, so true. Yeah, what a, you know, uh, in all honesty, I uh, whenever anyone says the robots are going to take over, 
Um, I disagree. I think that humans will uh, get more and more creative and that'll be kind of the human value add. Uh, economist Tyler Cowen in his book, The Average is Over, a recommended read. He talks about man-machine teaming as being kind of the superior model. And so, you know, the AI doesn't do anything interesting without the human sitting there prompting it. And so you uh, turn into, uh, you know, the new wizards of the next decade are going to be the prompt wizards who know how to speak these magic incantations to the AI art engine or the AI chat engine and uh, have the right answers spit out. And that's a skill in and of itself. If, you know, any of the listeners uh, get into AI art, uh, it's not just draw me a picture of a cat. You have to be very explicit in, uh, you know, like the art style and the drawing style and all these other details. You really have to know some art just to produce AI art. So it's not kind of a pushier dummy type experience. And uh, again, I think the uh, these prompt wizards, these man machine teams are going to be the ones that uh, ultimately come out on top uh, versus either humans or AI alone. So, you know, humans will always be on top. You think so, Matt? Well, I don't know if your question was, is uh, AI or a virus going to kill humanity? Uh, but I like uh, Jeff's I, answer. I, that, that, you, you jumped a bit ahead, but sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jeff's answer. It might be a combo platter on that uh, scale. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, game changer with uh, you know OpenAI and uh, the data set they've been using is uh, uh, super interesting. And it's about to expand, uh, you know, whatever, a thousand X um, from what's, what it's ingesting and, and spitting out. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's a game changer for education, you know, around the world, uh, you know, getting the right answer. Um, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, one of those things that, uh, you know, when I first tried it, it was, it brought me back to, you know, first email, first uh, Bitcoin transaction. I was like, this is one of those elements that, you know, we're not going to forget. And it, it felt like that for sure. I can only speak anecdotally. I was a DJ for 20 years and I started, you know, carrying the records around and the turntables and everything. And then one day, all of a sudden you could start to do it on computers. And I still stuck to being analog, of course, but, and it evolved to the point where the software would do everything for you, but you still had to have a person standing there in front of the party, reading the audience and choosing what the next perfect song was going to be. And that still hasn't been replaced even with, 15 years of advancement in that music technology. And I think it's probably a very similar thing to your point. Even if you've messed with ChatGPT, one word in your prompt can vastly change the response that you get and the tone that it, that it comes in. So I do think yeah. that that is absolutely true, that there will be the human element. But it, it is a bit scary, especially now when you put your money together with it, right? To, to, to what you were talking about, Jeff, before, now, I mean, that's a very serious level of trust. And both of these technologies are evolving so much faster than humans can really uh, keep up, it seems. So, I mean, should we slow down or should we just let this thing go and see what, what is created? I mean, Jeff, you're building this stuff, so. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a fair question, um, you know, the, but uh, at the same time, um, I think that's that's a little bit of a fantasy question in that uh, the world never slows down. And uh, so uh, should we, could we? I don't know. We can't. So I never ponder the question. Um, but uh, kind of, you know, the way we think about block, uh, one of the, the ways I describe block is a factory of factories such that uh, we have, uh, you know, an amazing group of builders at block who uh, are, are like Matt and myself looking around corners and uh, trying to, to understand what's, what's the next human experience where we can really be additive. And uh, that, that's how we arrived at this kind of factory of factories model where, uh, again, you know, for example, uh, two years ago, uh, we looked at DeFi, the DeFi summer, and uh, we saw a lot of very low quality uh, yams and hams and and other projects and uh, said, what, do, what, do, what happens if we raise the quality level on uh, yield farming and look at only quality, uh, only quality yields and audit this thing, 20x, uh, that sort of thing. And so we we cranked uh, the factory crank at Block and uh, uh, bootstrap Vesper. Vesper. Um, similar story with uh, Metronome, 
uh, metronome.io, which uh, just released a, a beta recently. Uh, everybody check that out. Uh, that was another uh, situation where we uh, looked at uh, synthetics, MakerDAO, and some of the other synthetic uh, DeFi gadgetry and said, uh, we can kind of do it better. So let's turn to factory crank and uh, create a project that uh, is really relevant uh, for this space in uh, 2023. Uh, so that that model, uh, you know, we we turn out projects, uh, spin outs, etc. There's Lumeron, which is a uh, a Bitcoin mining uh, hash power marketplace. Uh, Matt already mentioned Capsule, kind of a shipping container for uh, digital assets. Um, uh, Arch, which is our uh, our node and uh, staking infrastructure. All of those are really came from that that core of uh, Matt and myself uh, looking at what do we want to build? What is the most relevant? Uh, most impactful and most interesting and intellectually stimulating things to build. We have the team. Let's look at that uh, shining star and uh, build towards that. So that's that's really block in a nutshell. It's kind of a factory of factories. And where does that you know kind of tie into chat GPT automation stuff like that? Is uh, at the very beginning, late 2015, when we formed Block, we were thinking about orchestration, automation, and how all that applies to crypto. And only just now has the technology like ChatGPT caught up, so that we can, you know, begin to do some of the things that we were thinking about in 2015, 2016. So uh, uh, it's uh, you know, ChatGPT and things like that are really to, to me as a software engineer, those are tools that I can now take import into block and uh, build some uh, really interesting projects uh, based off that. So it's all just uh, piling up cool, cool tools in a toolbox. I also love doing uh, you know construction like home improvement type stuff. Whenever there's a new tool at Home Depot, you know that, that like makes something 100x easier, I've got to buy it. And uh, that's the way I feel about chat GPT and uh, Stable Diffusion, the AIR projects is that it just made a lot, several domains 100x easier. And so it's uh, going to apply to crypto UI UX eventually, I feel. And I'll, I'll give another click for detail because uh, Jeff said something important about you know, how we approach DeFi and how we build towards DeFi. And we, when we built and launched Vesper, it was, you know, uh, terrible UI UX, no documentation, no smart contract audits, unknown teams, the, the full panoply in the early days of DeFi. We obviously turned that around, known team, uh, over 50 audits uh, that takes time and money, um, full documentation and uh, UI UX that we think is state of the art in, uh, in DeFi. Um, and then we also scored our pools on conservative and aggressive. Um, and, and two things like uh, that came out of this, uh, people didn't care enough about the audits. People didn't care enough about conservative versus aggressive because they would sort rank on the highest yield and go for it. If you think about the risk nature of somebody with uh, digital assets, MetaMask wallet going into DeFi, they're already risk on, right? So, so the conservative or aggressive is just like, ooh, I want to sort rank for the best. Uh, fast forward to today, those things matter a lot. The, the fact that we have over 50 audits, our, our next uh, closest competitor has three or four. Um, and and uh, we, we think about things on a conservative and aggressive scale. That is now, uh, I think, more in focus today than it's ever been before to say, how do we think about these things? How should we self-insure these things, et cetera? So uh, you know, that, some of that hard work, some of those hard decisions that we made early on are now coming out to be a, uh, a good thing for uh, making those bets. So. One of your four pillars, we've talked about it constantly when I've had you on, obviously, is tokenization. Do you think that any of the nonsense that we've seen over the past year could impact that or get in the way of us seeing that tokenized future that you envision, mostly because now regulators and legislators might step in and try to prevent that from happening? I mean, I think the regulators are going to focus on, on two areas, stable coins and centralized exchanges. And um, so I think it's really going to affect stable coins and um you know, if you're a regulated public, you know, like Coinbase, you know, you, you pretty much have no issues per se. But I think a lot of the other private uh, centralized exchanges might have to up their game. But from, you know, what uh, we understand that they've mostly been, you know, working uh, 
uh, like a public company, think of Kraken, et cetera. But then you see outliers with what happened with uh, Gemini, et cetera. I think, you know, some of that um, stuff needs to get better, you know, rules and, and kind of behavioral stuff uh, around that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're kind of in this uh, new year post, uh, it doesn't even feel like it's post FTX, but, you know, looking ahead past uh, all of FTX, uh, you know, we're, the, the DeFi components of, of crypto is, is probably the uh, piece that people want to gravitate to most because it's, you know, uh, you know, protocols are rules with incentives, right? So they could figure out the rules, figure out the incentives, it's transparent, et cetera. Uh, hard to do that with a bank or a lender, et cetera. So I, I think the logic of that continues to permeate into TradFi and everything else to say, like, if we had anything close to that, we'd be we'd have a better outcome and uh, in, in a better standing today. Yeah, I, I, my answer is is similar. It's, it's yes. And that's a good thing is uh, like in uh, 2013, which I was already uh, three years into crypto in, in 2013. March of 2013 were the first Senate hearings uh, for uh, Bitcoin and crypto. And that actually ushered in a new era of regulatory clarity and a new era of investment and both institutional retail uh, professional uh, people entering the space. And so I think we're going to see a repeat of that. We'll see regulatory clarity and on tokenization Ultimately, I think that there'll be an explosion of uh, investments in uh, regulated tokens uh, once uh, all the dust clears. Um, as uh, I've, I've been telling uh, some of the folks uh, connected to Washington, uh, all you need to remove is this one uh, technical detail in regulations, the requirement for an automated trading system, an ATS, to trade stocks on a blockchain. You can... Uniswap, uh, you know, a stock token, a regulated equity token, as long as A, the regulations are in place and B, you remove this uh, ATS rule. So if we get that little technicality out of the way, it's really a green field for uh, regulated equity tokens on Uniswap where you have uh, a uh, management layer, uh, DCCCC or NASDAQ or NYSE is uh, a manager or owner of that token, and they can start and stop the transfers of that token. Uh, this little technical thing that I'm talking about unlocks a lot of investment in the crypto space, unlocks a lot of tokenization, and unlocks a new level of comfort and trust in crypto in general because you have that regulatory clarity and because you have you know the 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 on-ramp that's regulated and trusted so i think that uh there's going to be you know some regulatory actions for sure but at the once that dust settles there's going to be so many more people with a higher level. This might sound paradoxical, a higher level of comfort with tokenization and tokens. I agree with because, that. Because, you know, the noise has been swept out. The the chaff has been swept out and you just have the, you know, the signal, the, the wheat remaining. The flip side of that is it unlocks this incredible potential by just switching that one thing, but it also threatens the largest institutions on the planet by making it easy and dis and completely removing them from the process. We're talking about Absolutely. every processor, every you know, Citadel, you know, clearing houses, uh, central banks. So that, what, what's my, funny is you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. What's funny is you're absolutely right. And uh, after 12 years in the space, I'm just going, oh, that's not so obvious. Oh, yes, we know that we're challenging central banks and institutions. And that's that's just we got up and we had breakfast and we challenged the central bank and then we went on with our day. But, but that's when I asked Matthew the initial question. Now that I think we have sort of a higher likelihood of that regulatory heavy handed approach coming, maybe maybe that's not even true. But I mean, these guys are going to you know, from their cold, dead hands, like Charlton Heston and the NRA, they're not going to let this happen easily. There was something interesting from uh, the press conference yesterday of the Bits Lotto, Bits Lato. Uh, I don't even know what the exchange is called because it's so obscure. Uh, regulatory enforcement action is uh, one of the quotes 
from regulators was we want to get the the criminals out of crypto and i endorse that i want the criminals out of crypto too yeah you know arrest the guys that are doing frauds and scams and crime just like uh, all the laws on the books uh, already uh, engender you to. And uh, so that's, again, that's a positive thing. That's interesting because we don't need any more laws to go after criminals and fraud. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. If it's fraud, prosecuted as fraud. Um, going back to the uh, tokenization question, I was just thinking about uh, what Jeff was talking about uh, before with synthetics and maker and our new primitive uh, uh, metronome is uh, tokenizing and, and creating synthetics for real world assets, you know, for your house, for your car, for, you know, stocks, et cetera. And, and, and the uh, synthetics on top of that, you know, it's almost like um, a proxy for those assets. Obviously a digital native assets, a lot easier for the custody and flow on stuff that's, you know, uh, a, a token representing a real world asset. There's uh, a workflow between the token and then the asset, but uh, as these systems and the adoption kind of, uh, you know, develops and evolves, uh, the liquidity and the assets on chain are going to be profound, right? And then you still go into the financialization or, you know, all these things still still matter. Uh, but that's that's a biggie where real world assets, you know, some people are, you know, we're tokenizing dollars, there's tokenized gold, there's all these different uh, assets that are being tokenized, but once real estate and other, you know, maybe not um, obvious assets get tokenized. I think it's it's really gonna um, uh, go quickly. And 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 I would have imagined this stuff happening before you know NFTs or or DeFi. If you ask me, five years ago, I, I would say this would have been more of a thing. And so you know, uh, I think directionally you could be uh, right in crypto, and then some of these these uh, themes and and uh, ecosystems uh, come out of nowhere. DeFi, NFTs, etc. They could definitely uh, Surprising. Yeah, I can't wait to see which one comes next. He said, you know, we were farming yams and tacos only a couple short years ago and had our NFT summer and our metaverse fall, and now AI coins are going next. So it'll be interesting to see what this uh, market comes up with. Unfortunately, we are up against time. I'm glad we finally got uh, both of you in the same, as I said, virtual room, but kind of the same room uh, to join. Thank you so much for your. Uh, for your commentary and for your vision. I always love talking to both of you because you give me great hope that uh, everything I think is still being built is still realistic and is likely to happen. Where, where can everybody follow uh, both of you and check out Block uh, after this uh, conversation? Check out, uh, check us out at uh, block.com and uh, some of our uh, projects, uh, vesper.finance, metronome.io, uh, lumeron.io as well. Yeah, and then uh, we're, uh, yeah, Matt at block.com, Jeff at block.com. Um, and it's, uh, I'll be uh, uh, clear here, it's bloq.com. I know, B-L-O-C-K. I said the block once earlier and I almost cringed at myself, but yes, block. Yeah, and, and I said that on purpose because uh, uh, it's definitely uh, uh, sticking a finger in that eye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I would imagine so, especially in light of uh, recent, recent events over there, which we've gotten into in the past. And once again, thank you guys both. Everyone else, I will be back tomorrow morning. 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with the week in review that we do on Friday. It tends to be one of my favorite days of the week. Gentlemen, thank you once again. Really an honor and a pleasure and hope to have you both back very, very soon. Everyone, Thanks, have a great day. Thanks, guys. You're Bye. Well.